check, check. Mic check. Presented by Empire on PrepMX.com, taking your calls and looking ahead to the races with your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody. First day, March 26, 2015, the Fly Racing Moto 60 show, presented by NFAB, is live. It's noon Pacific. Beautiful day here in Las Vegas. Soon, it will not be beautiful. Soon, it will be hot as balls. But for right now, it is awesome. Great to uh, have you guys listening. Thank you. Uh, appreciate you uh, listening to these things and downloading them and uh, listening to them live. 702-586-7857. you got a question about the uh, Monster Energy Supercross Series coming up this weekend in St. Louis. St. Louis, it's a good race. Good dirt. Fantastic dirt. Nice city. Uh, nice dome area. All that kind of stuff. Uh, great, great to... Uh, have it on the series. Fly Racing Sector Boot, they represent Fly Racing's entry into the premium off-road boot segment. It's packed with all the features and tech you've come to expect from every Fly Racing product. Key features include the torsion control protection system, easy-to-use positive latch buckles, and super comfy slip-on inner booties. Sector Boot is uh, an exceptional level of protection and comfort that's designed for motocross and off-road comp at the highest levels. $439.95, black or white. Get it now. NFAB, n-fab.com. Proud sponsors of the JGR NFAB team with Barsha, Nicoletti, and Pike. And uh, finest truck accessories money can buy. They've got you covered. Step systems and light mounting solutions to bumpers and Jeep gear. Dress up your rig with the hottest looking, hardest working accessories available. Jeep, Jeep truck SUV people, n-fab.com. Fantastic guys. They support the sport. And it's nice to have them as part of the show. Coming up with uh, Jason Thomas and uh, Jason Wygant on the uh, Fly Race and Moto 60 show presented by NFAB. Got two tickets to St. Louis Supercross to give away, and we may or may not have something for from Fly Racing to give away. I just don't know yet. We're, we're going to work on that. Maybe we'll ask our uh, our head Fly Racing uh, salesman extraordinaire, Jason Thomas. Oh, by the way, I'm Steve Mathis. With me uh, producing the show, holding things down, taking your calls, uh, is the Tits Legendary, still King Tits. Still getting tits. Yeah, I tried twice. Well, I tried once. Uh-huh. Didn't do it. Uh, How far off were went you? And, went again. Oh, I was off my best, too. Uh-huh. So I, I was gonna, like four seconds off my best time. Mm. So quite a bit. It's a lot. And, uh, and, uh, and then I went the other day, but I did not try to, to, to topple your record. Still working on it, though. Well, we'll see. Good things take time. Uh, your guy, Ryan Dungey, is still working on getting his second 450SX Supercross Championship. 76 I, points or something. I am very sad, and this is not joking. Like I'm really bummed that Trey crashed out and everything like that. But as soon as it happened, I thought he really could wrap this up three rounds early. Like he could. He, like he's, obviously, right there, he's already got that points to Tomac. Yeah. We'll see how Tomac he's, looks like he could start on a run. Yeah. He's looking really good. Even, but Yeah, I know. Even he, if he, he starts on really a run. really good at the beginning of the season. But, right. Um, yeah, even if he starts on a run, great job by him. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, one of those things, man. Uh, it's definitely the series. It's got a little bit yeah. of a uh, little bit of midseason lull right now going on. Uh, the 250s has two rounds left. Muskan has a 13-point uh, lead or 16-point lead or something on uh, on Bogle. Cooper Webb's got over a race lead on Bowers, or, or I think Nelson, actually. On the west side, they're going to pick it up in Houston in two weeks. So it is uh, – it's tough. Do you know what the um, earliest someone has ever wrapped up a championship in the 450 class is? Like how many rounds left did they actually give them the trophy? Uh, I think it was RV. With, was uh, it RV? Yeah, RV. So I know that Dungy, when he got his, ago. he was up there, and obviously they didn't – Officially awarded because RV could have come back mm-hmm. even though he wasn't, but you know, yeah, that was the thing. Wygan and I debated it over. Right. I, I said they should have done it for like dramatic purposes. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah. three three's a lot. I don't know if anybody's ever done four. 
Uh, yeah, RV did four. Did you do uh, yeah, four? Yeah, I think RV was four a couple years ago. Not last year, but the, the one When before. I get off the mic, I'll look that yeah, up. Yeah, check it out. Okay. Um, I believe he clinched it at, uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's, it was four races early. I'll so, look it up. Um, yeah, it's uh, one of those years right now going on. It's uh, it's tough. Uh, Jason Wygant, Jason Thomas coming up here. 702-586-757. We'll take your calls. Raining Yellow, what's up, man? Hey, so I'm call- I heard the contest for the, the seven gear to win. I'm the first caller. We don't give away that gear. I'm not familiar with that gear line. However, Fly Racing is terrific. Uh, Flyracing.com. Uh, Great gear. Hey, I will say that Sector Boot, though, does look pretty cool. It looks, I uh, came up short on a triple last weekend, and uh, my SG12 saved me. I got a sprained ankle, but. Uh... Yeah, maybe those Spectre boots could have really saved me. Wow! Hey, look, the SG12s are great boots. There's no doubt. The Gar- this this thing is on that level. You know what I mean? That's right. what the Fly Racing wanted to do with a boot. They didn't want to come up with one that was a discount boot like some of the other. I mean, let's face it. There is A Star. There's Garnet. Um, you know, there's maybe CD, and then now this Sector boot. Uh, all, can, can... all them good ones. Uh, yeah. No, it, lo- it looks like quality boot, and I'll credit where credit is due. But did I hear wrong? On the Pulp Show, a possible rekindling of the the Stuart Mathis relationship. Uh, I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. Um, yeah, we're trying to plan a podcast to do something. James has got some stuff he wants to say, and I'd love to, to have that chance to talk to him. So we're trying to work it out right now. But uh, Work it out. Stay hug tuned. it out. Uh, no, if I, you want, yeah, I'll I think call him. I'll yeah. talk to him. I am not giving James Stewart or giving you James Stewart's number. There's just no chance. But I will say, yeah, yeah, that's probably a good idea. But uh, it's but a, yeah, um, the racing's been good, and uh, can't wait to have him back. And the uh, sector boot looks good as well. So right on, right on, on you guys. Right on, Raining Yellow. Thank you, man. Yep. Bye. Appreciate it. What would the Fly Race and Moto Sixty show be without a call from Raining Yellow? What would it be? Could, can't even. Can't even. Are you? I don't know if, I, if uh, that just, was a rhetorical or. I think it was rhetorical. Wanted, whatever. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, Fly Race and Moto 60 show presented by NFAB. Giving away two tickets to St. Louis Supercross this weekend in the Edward Jones Dome right there in downtown St. Louis. And uh, maybe some fly stuff. I don't know. We need to talk to uh, Jason Thomas on that. But let's for now, let's bring in our first guest. He's uh, my boss at RacerX Online. He's the online editor. The Jason Wygant. What's up, Weege? It's about time I came in after raining yellow. We had a nice tradition going last year, <laughs> yeah. and it hasn't happened once. You did. That's right. I forgot. That's right. You were, uh, you're, uh, you're off your vacation. You had a nice little siesta. Oh, I'm back. Crap. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, damn it. (laughs) Um, but, uh, you didn't be ready. Yeah. Oh man. Well, uh, were there there any races while I was gone? There was, but does it really matter at this point? Um, is it just me? Is it just me or is, is there... Is it tough to get real excited right now for the the Monster Energy Supercross series? Nope, everything's awesome. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, okay. Very exciting. Yep, very exciting. Uh, sounds, best sounds athletes like in the world doing battle bar to bar for twenty laps every weekend. It's intense. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's great. The, uh, the anything can happen, Steve. Anything can happen. <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, the seventy six point lead that Ryan Dungey has right now, or something like that, is uh, is looking good. <laughs> Although, hey, would you be surprised if if Tomac Mac reeled a couple of couple of wins here in the next few races? I wouldn't. I mean, if you're Dungey, you're like you know, obviously he's trying to win every race, and he, he probably will win a bunch more races because he's going to get the start and he's going to be Ryan Dungey. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Tomac rip off a few more wins. I kind of thought that already, even before he he got this win in Detroit. So now I'm just going to look like I'm Captain Obvious. But um, just the way any of them, you know, if Card weren't hurt or Roxham weren't hurt and, and uh, Tomac, the way all of them are riding, they were just like mistakes away from putting all the pieces together. And I was like, I wouldn't have been surprised at all if any of those three ended the year with a good run. You know, they won three mm-hmm. in a row or yeah. two out of the last three or something like that. Mm-hmm. It kind of happens a lot. And I'm not saying that that's because Dungey is hanging back. It's just because it's like almost... If you're Tomac and you're the fastest guy most of the weeks, mm-hmm. winning three or four races by the end of the year isn't that crazy. So maybe the averages are just going to work out where he'll have a couple more Detroits instead of a couple more Atlanta ones and stuff like that. I thought you uh, you wrote your column this week on Racer X on Ryan Dungey and it encapsulated really what we've been talking about when it comes to Ryan Dungey. It, it, you know, everything was perfect. I thought 
people get a little butthurt. I wrote uh, in my observations column, Eli Tomek can beat Ryan Dungey straight up. Trey Kennard can beat him straight up. Maybe even Chad Reed can beat him straight up. And lots of people, you know, thought that was disrespectful and why are you doing, not giving Dungey the credit he deserves and this and that. And it, it, your column, again, kind of came out. He's really what you want as far as a perfect rider. He, he may not – no one – very rarely do people go, man, did you see Ryan Dungey today? Did you see how fast he's going? Yeah. You don't hear right. that very much. He pushes it to 95%. And then if you can beat that, great. Most people can't. Yeah, and I think when you say, or I think we've all said it, when we say those guys can beat him straight up, I can understand how you can misinterpret that for basically us saying they're better than him. We're just saying they can beat him. But on the same hand, he can also beat them. We're not guaranteeing yes. that every time they line up on the gate, those three or four guys are better than him or faster than him. He's just as fast. They're just as fast. They're all equal. So mm-hmm. they all can beat each other. But what there's no arguing is, while they're all about the same speed, he's way, 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 way more consistent than any of those guys. It's not even close to points to tell you that. So right. I don't think you meant that like they're way better or yeah. way faster. No. They're all very close. Is really what it is. They yeah, can beat him, and and through yeah, I mean, a, we're not guaranteeing it. Of course not. And through mistakes, these guys have really given Dungey the title. They've they've made it not that given him the title. They've made it a whole lot easier on him because they can't keep it together. Yeah, and I think they know that, and that's what makes this a very unique situation. I think you don't hear riders bring up very often that they just weren't fast enough. Mm-hmm. But I think this is a situation where Roxon, Tomac, Kennard could all look in the mirror honestly legitimately, and say, I had the speed to make it happen this year. I could have won this title, mm-hmm. but I made mistakes. Uh, usually the fastest guy, you know, hands down wins. But being consistent is really a more important part of the game than just being fast. So not taking anything away from Dungey, but they surely know that too. You know, yeah. if they had, if things had been different, they might have been able to win this title. They had it. They had the opportunity. But Dungey's the only one that was making it happen when it counted in the 20 laps. Yeah, Absolutely. It, uh, yeah. it, yeah, and it, he's been a machine this year. The starts have been on point. Uh, when's the last time he crashed? Did he has he even tipped over in practice? I can't even Dude, remember. I don't even know. I don't know. Yeah, has he even gone down this year? And I think what we're saying is, Dungey's awesome, but in the Jeremy McGrath years, when you really average it out, it didn't matter. You could have a hundred race series or a three race series, he was going to win the title. He was just so far superior to he was. the competition, yeah. it didn't matter. Yep. Carmichael on his role. Uh, or whatever, or even Villapoto, I think you could make a similar argument. Maybe it wasn't quite as dominant, but either way, four in a row kind of says, slice it up any way you want, I'm going to come out on top. Yeah. I think these other guys this year could say, man, if we could start Anaheim 1 again right now, I think I could win this. They might not. Yeah. But they yeah. at least have a realistic reason to think that. If you're Trey, I'm sure you felt, I could have done it this year. Yeah, uh, Dungey's been off the race, uh, been off the podium one race, very first Anaheim. That's it. That's all. Just take the, take, take the podiums yeah. and, uh, and see you later, you know? Yep. Hey. We're, we're going to have to, and Dungey doesn't reveal much, but I know he's become your buddy now. Oh, very good. Um, yeah, very tight. The Dungey at the first two races, compared to the Dungey at the rest, he was kind of, that fourth, that really does stick out because he was kind of ho hum. Mm-hmm. He, he was so much better. And uh, Phoenix. You know, he barely got Pike yeah. at the end of Phoenix. He yeah. could have started the year 4-4. Uh, definitely not as fast as Roxon, Tomac, and Kennard, I feel, at the first three mm-hmm. or first uh, two races. Something changed after that. Ever since then, he's been a lot better. And, again, that's what I'm saying. Those guys might be able to beat him, but they might not. Like, he's just as fast as them for sure. And it's only since that whatever change between rounds two and three. <laughs> right. Um, St. Louis this weekend. What do you think of uh, when you think of St. Louis Supercross? Good dirt, nice, nice crowd. Pits are packed. Yeah, it's uh, both underrated in a way, but then rated properly in others. Like for the specifically the racing aspect, the dirt, the amount of people that show up, the pit setup where it's all indoors, but it's still it's not all jammed in together like we get at mm-hmm. a lot of the downtown buildings, like say in Detroit. Um, I think it's almost underrated as far as how pumped the crowd is. I think it and Indy have really slowly mm-hmm. risen up the rank in crowd count, but no one thinks about it. They're into the 60s, I think, both of them. Right. But uh, on the other hand, and you wrote about this, like Indianapolis is an underrated city, I think, to hang out in. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about St. Louis. Yeah. yeah. that bold. 
I wouldn't. I wouldn't. There's a few cool things to do in that area, but yeah. there's a few bad areas yeah. close by. So be careful. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, are you going to a NASCAR yeah. race or are you going to St. Louis? I will be in uh, St. Louis. I'll okay. actually go. Right. I'm just checking. I'm not going. Yeah. I'm not going to yeah. be there. I will be skipping St. Louis. <laughs> it's been a long time since we've actually uh, missed two- side by side. Daytona. I ran out. So you were in the suite. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. 702-586-7857. Give us a call on the Fly Race and Moto 60 show. Let's take some calls here. Sean, what's up? You got a question about James Stewart. Yeah, it goes with your uh, Stewie, Stewie would do it theory about the jumps. Mm-hmm. Uh, earlier in the year, Martin Davalos uh, was qualifying for some of the West Coast races on a 450. Right. And he didn't actually show up at the night race. So could Stewart, even though he's been banned, show up for qualifying and practice, bust out some of these cool jumps in these quads, help out his teammate, yeah. and then go back to the trailer and find nope. autographs? Nope, not at all. Cannot be in competition at all. So, there, so It's a competition? Qualifying is a competition? Yep, yep. The whole start of the day is the whole beginning of the day. So uh, um, definitely cannot. There was talk of James right a press day, and from what I under, from what I hear from people involved with that, uh, there were people freaking out about it that they were they were not going to let him do that even ride a press day just yeah. to just you, yeah. did you hear that Weege? I don't know if you heard that story or not. No, but, I didn't hear that. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah, they were going to try to get him in on Anaheim press day, and it was like, oh no 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 no, because you know right now Feld Motorsports is basically acting like James Stewart and Ryan Villapoto are dead. That's how they that's how their marketing programs are going. Let's pretend they're dead, and. um so they would never allow James to do that. But, I mean, it is illegal anyways from FIM purposes to even, you know, ride practice and all that, Sean. So, yep. Okay. All right. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. There's a couple things that work there. Um, I think uh, it's not just Feld not wanting to promote James Stewart. I think that's, there's other things where they don't want to promote him. But the no press day thing, I think from what I'm hearing, as we know with this whole case, no one truly knows where the real power lies. Mm-hmm. And I think – most people are scared to get the FIM or WADA or whoever's making these decisions more angry. It's like a don't poke the beast. Like, if you have them show up for press day, you're almost asking for more trouble with the sanctioning body. Don't do it. Like, what if this results in an extension of a suspension or something like that? Like, it was completely, totally legal for him in the rulebook to race those last couple outdoor nationals last year. Mm-hmm. But there are those that think that even though that wasn't illegal, they still imposed a harsher penalty on him because they were pissed that he did it anyway. Uh, yeah. I even heard from someone at Suzuki that the FIM or WADA says you shouldn't even be riding your motorcycle at your house. Oh. You should not even be participating in any motorcycle athletic-related activities at all. Oh, wow. Okay. So I think that's the press day deal. They're just afraid yeah. that it's almost like... It's almost like a slap to the face to be but, like, well, you won't let him race, but we're going to bring him out for press day the day before. Yeah, no, I, I agree. But, but I think it's it's yeah. brutal and petty that not at one case of Supercross this year, Jeff Emig doesn't sit down with James or Ralph Shaheen, let's say, and they touch base oh, yeah. with James on his suspension, how he's doing, what's going on, and uh, just give the fans a little thing. Hey, we'll see James Stewart in 2016. Um, you know, get your tickets now or whatever. But they are acting like he's dead. Same with Ryan Villapoto. They did a little thing with Ryan Villapoto uh, at the beginning of Anaheim 1 getting his ring. It was on the screen for about 10 seconds, and then it was gone. And they've never mentioned him again. And I just think that these yeah, guys are just more. They're just clueless. Like these guys are, yeah, these guys are superstars of the sport, and through different actions of their own, they're not racing this year. But let you know, they have fans. People still cheered for the sh- cheered the shit out of those dudes for many many years. So let's let's update it. But it's the people that run the uh, run the production thing that are just to me, anyways, clueless on so many levels. Uh, Matt, what's up, well, Matt? Welcome to the show, Matt. Yeah, go ahead. Yep. Uh, yeah, I was uh, listening to the archives. It's kind of archive. I'm still halfway through the, the Pulp Show archive. Um, but you guys were touching on the you know, dangers of the sport and what's changed. I think, in my opinion, from I'm just like local pro, nothing special. But I, to all the local races and some of the local amateur races I go to, I see a lot of kids trying to scrub that really have no business scrubbing. And they get into very bad situations. When a scrub goes bad, it's hard to even, there's not, not much you can do other than just take the hit. It's, if you go, if you go down and it's, it, I see a lot of kids that have no business scrubbing because it's a cool thing to do. Man, you see my scrub? Like, look mm-hmm. how thick that was. Well, and, uh, and I've seen kids scrub off of a jump and just nail them one right next to them 
just because they think they can pass them if they scrub, but then they clip a foot peg right. or they're sideways and they land sideways, and it just that's some of the evolution of the sport. Okay, I think forces kids to go harder than they are ready to do. You know, and yeah. that's where I think a lot of injuries come from because they're bad crashes when you mess up a scrub. Real yeah. bad. No, absolutely. Well, really I mean, high sides and stuff. Look, it's bad crashes when you mess up trying to go for a triple. You know what I mean? On a local track or whatever. Yeah. It's it's just one of yeah. those things. I totally agree with you. Um, but when, what are you going to do with that? You can't. You're not going to stop James Stewart, Justin Barsha, and these guys from um, you know trying oh, no, to go faster. Was, so yeah, I understand. I just say it's the natural. It's the evolution. Yep. It's like the young kids want to do what the cool guys are doing, and it's just what it is. You yeah. Know? I mean, you don't well, have the experience. I agree with like what Rhino said. You know, there's not enough experience in these riders to know that they're capable of doing something well, like my, that. And I think a lot of accidents happen that way. Matt, my whole point in that show is everything that we talked about on that show, my point is it all starts at the top levels of racing. Uh, not, not everybody agreed with me on that show, and that's fine. But in my opinion, I agree, though, too. In my opinion if you want to do anything, bike size, tracks, uh, safety equipment, start it at the Supercross National level, and uh, it'll peter down, you know. Um, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it, I, I have my doubts it'll ever happen, but thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. Uh, yeah, I appreciate it. You guys have a good day. Thank you. Fly Racing Moto 60 Show presented by NFAB. Kyle, what's going on, man? Hey, uh, first off, uh, good show the other night on with uh, Wyndham and, and Emig on the thank, uh, safety issues. Thank you. Those were, uh, you know, definitely something well brought up, but, uh, you know, I don't uh, – Something's, you know, something's wrong. I think at the amateur level more than anything. Uh, you know, you see all of these, uh, all the deaths mainly occurring, uh, from what I see, uh, pretty much only at the amateur level. Um, so okay. I, I think it probably has more to do with people, uh, people going fast to, uh, you know, like I said, it's a lot easier to go fast uh-huh. on a you know, four stroke than two stroke. Yeah, so. and, and you know, MX point was the kids are jumping from 80s to 250Fs. That's, that's MX's whole thing on on the show the other night, and he's got a point. Uh, they're jumping from these 80s to terrifically fast, modified on most most times 250Fs. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. things like the 250F is, I mean, you know, I think it's obviously just about as fast. You know, that you can go just as fast on a supercross track as a 450. So, um, yeah. Okay, anyways, what's up? My other other question, um, really off top, topic here, but what was the, uh, you know, with, with Ken Roxon leaving the uh, Alton Baker program, mm-hmm. what was the uh, initial issue between uh, Alton Baker and Ricky Carmichael, who had so much uh, success together? You know what? I don't really know for sure. I, I mean, I've gotten one side of it, you know, um, but I don't really know. And looking from the outside in, and again, I'm not in there, so I don't really know. But there was tension between Alden and Ricky. There has been tension between Alden and Ricky over the years. It seems strange, being as how Alden Ricky used Alden's training techniques to win uh, tons of money, millions of dollars, and tons of titles. So it is strange. I've only gotten one side of it. I don't really know. Yeah. I don't really know. We just... one thing I've heard. One thing I've heard, and I don't think you can argue this fact. I'm not sure if this is where it completely went off the rails, but at the very, very end there for Carmichael, like his last race of that donation to Butts Creek, he was pretty much dead physically, and I think he ended up having Epstein Barr. We didn't hear about it much because he was didn't race after that. It was already scheduled, to be, but he was something was wrong with him physically at that point. And obviously, when you have that situation, I think some of the fingers are going to get pointed at the trainer. So I think that might have been a part of it. I don't know if that was the whole straw that broke the camel's back, but it definitely physically didn't end great. But luckily, he wasn't riding for titles, so he didn't really notice as much. But it was there. Yeah, I heard. I heard. I heard the same thing, but I just can't believe that that would be the one thing that would do it. You know what I mean? I I don't know. Right. 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 Yeah. 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 I think it's it's strange. As bad as that guy, you know, wants to win. You would think with uh, you know that he would be pushing Roxon that way because it worked for him so well. Or well, seemed to. here's the thing that and, here's the thing that Ricky hated, and he never did. He hated riding with competition. He hated riding with guys that were trying to beat him. Once Yogi he used to ride with Yogi all the time, and Yogi really helped him out. And as soon as Ricky rode moved to 250 class, 450 class now, he told Yogi, "Yeah, we can't ride together anymore." He's so competitive. He was so intense. He did not like. Uh, riding with with guys that on, are on his level, and I, I I'm sure, and he's I think he's mentioned it a few times. Weege, he does not like the Kenny Roxon riding with Jason Anderson, Adam Cincerello, and Marvin Muscan, and all these guys. He does. He's not a fan. 
Oh, okay. you know, I don't think he's a fan of that. At the same time, I think he's also identified that what works for him isn't he doesn't try to drive it home and say, you have to do everything I did because that's what worked for me and it's worked for you. I mean, Andrew know I've heard of that has attempted to do what Carmichael did, like exactly the same way. It's just impossible. Not just the workload, but that idea of – you talk to the Alden Baker guys, and they have fun because they get to ride together. So you remove that element, you're doing all that work, and you also don't have buddies to hang out with, and you're just on the track by yourself every day. I don't think most people could handle that uh, mentally. Mm-hmm. It's just too boring. So it doesn't really work for most. But I felt like Carmichael has gone out of his way to say, hey, just because I did it that way doesn't mean that you should do it that way. But well, that's, it could be in the details. I he think he, you I think other he's, people for fun, but maybe not Anderson and Dungey or something. Look, I'm not a fan of RC. We know that. And I think he's very good at saying one thing to the public and to the press and saying something else behind closed doors from what I've heard. So... Um, I don't think so I don't a grain of salt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, I, look, and you know, again, like I'm not a fan. So this is coming from a guy that, you know, um, you take it for what it's worth. I just, I know some things behind the scenes that, you know, he's not a fan of working with Alden. And, you know, if he can tell everybody that, Hey, I don't want, uh, what, what, what works for me doesn't work for anybody else, blah, blah, blah. But I think that that had a big, big factor behind, uh, Kenny leaving, uh, breaking up with Alden Baker. So. Okay, last suggestion. I think you should uh, try to get, I just think it would be a good interview, uh, get Ben Riddle on for an interview. Okay, all right. Thanks, man. Appreciate all right. it. All right. Uh, Weege, um, we're, we had yeah. a big show on Pulp and Mech show on safety. Uh, Kevin Windham uh, put us something, a uh, passion plea on Instagram. Uh, we, you know, we saw the Trey and Jake thing, and we saw Tyler Heft right. uh, get hurt in Texas. We've uh, A kid died in um, uh, Three Palms in Texas. Oh, um, Tyler Heft. Passed away. Yeah, Tyler he got Heff. hurt. Now he away. Yeah. Did I say yeah. get hurt? Oh, I don't know. He said get hurt. Oh, get passed away. Oh yeah, yeah. Both. Okay. Um, yeah. um, it's happening all the time. Well, happening wh- all the time. I mean, I, I should I should have thrown this to you before the show, but off the top of your head, where where do you stand on all this? Do you think it's a problem like Wyndham, Emig? Uh, where is the problem? What is the yeah. problem? How do you solve do. it? What What do you think? I'm officially convinced now. Uh, a lot of us have 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 not been sure because, you know, it's the Internet age, and we're like, well, we're hearing about things that maybe mm-hmm. didn't hear about before. Right. And I'm sure that is a factor. But at this point, it has happened at big races that we would have heard about pre-Internet so often that I am now convinced it's changed. And it's not just the death thing. How many injuries? I feel like back in the day when guys got hurt, even at the pro level, they broke an arm, they broke an ankle, they broke a leg. Now when guys crash, they have two broken arms, lacerated spleen, collapsed lung, and a concussion. They're just hitting the ground harder. There's more catastrophic injuries and deaths, and I think it's ridiculous to think that there's nothing's actually changed. Oh, we just know more about it. Something's changed. And what's obvious was changed. Like any mm-hmm. other thing on earth, everything's advanced. Everything's gotten better. Track's gotten better. Bike's gotten better. Jump's gotten bigger. Riders are better. Awesome for your cell phone. Right. Bikes are better. Right. Riders are better. It's awesome for your cell phone and computer to be better than the one that you had 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's better for your car to be better than the one that was 20 years old. But getting better here just means bigger and faster, and that doesn't necessarily make it better. It's better, mm-hmm. but it's way more dangerous. So I think everybody's hitting the ground 10 miles an hour faster than they used to, and that's making all the difference. It's a serious, yeah. serious problem, and the industry will eat itself from the inside if parents start saying, I will not have my son ever participate in motocross because he might die. And I don't think when you grew up and I grew up, was dying on a motorcycle ever even a thought? Uh, no, yeah, exactly, no, was no. not, no. Death wasn't an issue. You knew you could break your arm, but you can deal with a broken arm. Yeah. Well, and, and, That's a totally different story. And if you look at other sports, okay, drag racing shortened the, the, uh, the drag trips to keep the speeds down. Yep. NASCAR, I believe, you're the NASCAR expert, they have decided that the cars are not going over 200 miles per hour anymore, correct? Or they've done something to slow the cars well, down? Well, they have a totally different car. But here's the problem with making these comparisons. You're talking about specifically the professional racing level making changes, but we are talking about deaths on a completely different level. We're talking about local races, which yeah. are not like if drag racing had drag racers die in an HRA, so the NHRA made rules so NHRA drag racers wouldn't die. They didn't change rules because of some local drag strip completely not connected. There were deaths, so no, this my, sport is in a weird spot. But my point is, my point is, is, it starts at the top. It starts at pro racing, um, governing the bikes, 
downsizing the bikes, yeah. Um, yeah. making some. I don't know if you want to make safety gear mandatory. That's a whole other stretch. But I think it starts at the top and saying, okay, we don't need to race 450s anymore. And therefore, it yeah. all kind of starts at the top. We don't have a lot of deaths in pro racing. Uh, your eyes absolutely right about that. But I think it starts right. from the top and then it, it goes down from there. And everybody realizes that maybe we slow the bikes down. I don't think I don't think we can go back to two strokes. That day is over, but we uh, yeah. slowing the bikes down is certainly something that needs to be looked at. And I think it starts from the top. But that's good to see that. You, yeah, you know, I totally you agree. It's just unfortunately a lot harder mm-hmm. to wave that magic wand because NASCAR only has to worry about what fifty total drivers and teams. Yeah, it's not like get these. Yeah, it's not like there's a. It's not like there's NASCARs on the street or there's a NASCAR series, a local Vegas NASCAR right. series, right? Yeah. You're yeah. Right. When you make a change here. You have to change everything from the production line in Japan, which is queued up five years in advance for those bikes, to every local dealer and every local track. Like, you have to get so many moving pieces to move in the same direction at the same time. And in a sport that is notoriously bad for having clear power at the top, Mm -hmm. if the AMA was the organization we all wanted it to be, this would be easy. Yeah. The AMA would say, hey, manufacturers, hey, tracks, hey, AMA members. We're all in this together. Yeah. This is the way it's going to be. 2019, 250s become 450s, 250s become 150s, and everybody has to run a restrictor plate inside their bike or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you cannot race at any level, any track. And we're all in this together. Right. But do you see the AMA but, having the ability to do that at all? I'm actually laughing. I'm laughing inside. Right. Right. But that's it. That's what it would take. There's right. only one organization that actually does have its hand in each one of these areas, local racing, the riders, and the manufacturers, but uh, that's not going to happen. And, but that is what it would take. I totally agree with you, and I feel like there is a legitimate problem, and something needs to be done. But it's a whole lot easier to not do something, and it is to do something. <laughs> These are difficult decisions. Yeah, leadership is not strong amongst everybody. No. Be it MX Sports, be it Feld, be it AMA, be it FIM. We have uh, alphabets everywhere, kind of not really on the same page, yeah. running their own series, running their own things. You know, and right. Uh, and yeah. the part that surprised me the most, the people that have the most to lose here are the manufacturers themselves. Yeah. And that's what makes it the hardest to me to believe. The hardest thing to change would be to get those manufacturers to change the bikes they are making. However, they have the they most have to lose. To lose. It's very well point. You're right. You're exactly right. Yeah, who, who, they have the most yeah, there'll always yeah. be pro racing because there's money to be involved in sponsors and media yeah. and there'll always be pro racing. There'll always be the FIM governing everything from, um, uh, you know, sidecar racing to road racing to Europe to whatever. There'll always be that. There'll always be the AMA because they'll always fight for your right to wear a helmet and uh, legislate laws and that kind of stuff for motorcyclists. But what's the one thing? Bike sales. People won't buy the damn bikes. So Absolutely. Yeah. There's a huge – we've always known that if you get your kid involved in motocross, if we were the kid or our kids, we knew it was dangerous. But when you start throwing the death word around, and now it's pretty out there, mm-hmm. it's, I don't, I'm not saying it's likely, but it's impossible to ignore that that risk is out there. I can't imagine that that goes very long before people start being like, what are you, insane? <laughs> I can't have my kid do that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then they don't buy bikes, they don't buy gear, they don't buy parts, and then everything starts to, to crumble from the inside. So, yeah, who has the most to gain? For once, I would say they should be greedy and chasing the dollar and doing everything they can to get people to buy motorcycles, make some changes. That's, and that that's says, and when you, when you say chase the dollar, that that's yes, that, that's very big. Well, that's the ultimate threat, right? right. The ultimate threat. The, the end result of the safety problems will actually be companies and people losing a lot of money, and nothing motivates them more than that. So I cannot believe people are just sitting on their hands saying, oh, I don't know." <laughs> Evan, what's going on? Welcome to the Fly Race and Moto 60 show presented by NFAB. By the way, uh, if you want a pair of tickets to St. Louis Supercross this weekend, call in now, 702-586-7857. We'll give the next caller a pair of tickets courtesy of the folks at NFAB. Evan, what's your question for uh, for Jason Wigand or myself? Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. Hey, uh, I know I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I wanted to talk about Ricky Carmichael in the booth for the Supercrosses. Um, it's is it weird to anybody else how when, you know, something happens with Tipple or Roxon, he just goes silent and doesn't say anything? Like, is he under, like, some weird NDA or is he not allowed to talk about it? Because you see something happened with Tickle and 
you would think you would comment about him, like not qualifying through a heat race or mm-hmm. a semi or even in the main or when Roxon had his crashes. It's just silent. And we all know Ricky sucks in the booth. And it would be awesome if he could provide <laughs> some insight into his team and, and what's going on. I think it would really help him have something to say instead of rambling off on tangents that, you know, make no sense. I don't really notice, Evan, but then again, I, I'm not – he wasn't there this weekend. I watched the whole race on TV. And other than that, I just fast-forward everything. I go right to the races. I don't pay attention to the commentary too much. Um, so I haven't really noticed that. Weege, have you? Uh, I think what it is is I don't think it's like a moratorium. I think it's like out of respect. He's like, well, I don't want to look biased or weird toward my guys, so I better just stay out of it. But I think he's on to something here. You would almost rather be like, listen, we know that you own the team. You don't have to insult our intelligence. We know. You don't have to pretend you don't. So since we already know, why don't you just take advantage? You don't have to pretend you're neutral. Just tell us we, 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 insight. That would be awesome. It would be better than him saying, hey, Tickle was at my house this week, and we did 900 starts between right. Monday and Wednesday. Yeah. People would love that. No one would say, like, oh, that's ridiculous. He's just hooking his boy up. Um, it would just be cool. Weege, how does Waltrip handle his brother or, or Brad Daughtry, Daughtry the, handle his team in NASCAR? And, I mean, do, do they do – they, there's no – there's complete transparency. They okay. freaking root for the guy. Okay, they I've do. Gotta think that, <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. And I've got to think that most of the time – the NASCAR fans are a little bit different. Um, they're a little bit more down home, I'd say. So they're probably a little more on board with that. Like, yeah, if that was my brother, I'm cheering him too. But, uh, <laughs> right, okay. yeah, absolutely. In the Daytona 500 where Dale Earnhardt died, Daryl Waltrip was the announcer. Michael hmm. Waltrip won. Yeah. And then he wins, and Daryl goes crazy. He's like, I can't believe Michael won it. I can't believe Michael won it. But I'm worried about Dale, though. That was a bad hit. So it's just basically showing there's my brother. Right. There's my buddy. Yeah. That's all I care about right now. I'm not even an announcer. Yeah. I'm my I mean, brother. You know. That's for my buddy. And really, Ricky, as a guy who comes in and out of the booth, you know, not the main guy. Emig is the main guy. Ricky could have probably afforded to be like a little bit like little bit like that, and no one would no one would mind. You're absolutely right. So, hey, Evan, yeah, I, just, like you're in, right? yeah. I, I just feel like yeah. he doesn't provide great content when he is in there, and it's a perfect opportunity for him to fill all sure. of us in. Yeah, like you guys were saying on the inside, we've been working on starts, we've been doing this, or you know, rocks in cases yeah. that triple in Oakland, and it's just nothing, and it's. It, it, it's just it's awkward. <laughs> right, right. Thanks, Evan. Appreciate it, man. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good show. Thank you. Uh, giving away a set of light, fly racing light hydrogen gear also, too. Uh, we just got word on that. I just so. wore it. You did? I just wore it for the first time. Did you, did you run the – do you have the sector boot? Sector boot and the hydrogen gear. Oh, yeah. Good. Oh, wow. You are dialed. Um, hey, yeah. uh, thanks for coming on, Weege. Appreciate it. Um, good job uh, with your column this week. I liked it on Ryan Dungy. Check it out, racerxonline.com. And um, thanks for coming on. And uh, we will not see you in St. Louis, but we will see you in Houston. So, Okay, I'll be in St. Louis. You won't. See you there. Wait, no. I like that. See you in Houston. I'll see you in Houston after the break. Okay, that sounds good. All right. Thanks, Wagon. All right, see you later. All right, bye. Uh, that's Jason Wagon, everybody, racerxonline.com. Uh, Still giving away two tickets to St. Louis, courtesy of NFAB, and a set of light hydrogen gear from Fly Racing. Hey, Fly Racing, the, the NFAB first, let's do that. Dress up your Jeep, truck, or SUV with the hottest looking, hardest working accessories from NFAB. Proudly built in Houston, Texas. Uh, take your ride to the next level. To learn more about NFAB products, visit n-fab.com. Uh, Thomas down there at NFAB, uh, terrific guy, supporting a off-road team, uh, supporting the JGR team, and uh, also supporting the Pulp Show and this thing. So we got to really appreciate uh, everything that the guys at NFAB do for us. And, of course, flyracing.com. Uh, check them out. Trey Kennard, Justin Brayton, Andrew Short, just some of the great guys that are wearing Fly. And a uh, very exciting time for Fly, introducing a uh, – new line of gear uh, coming up this weekend so um, it's uh, something that uh, they're excited about and we're going to get Jason Thomas on here to talk more about it uh, Riley what's going on? Hey Steve just got a question for you sure. um, I know you hear a lot about like speed is not the issue or I'm fast or whatever but for the guys who don't have the speed like uh, say for example like a Chisholm maybe or Albertson although Albertson crashes quite a bit um where do they get that, like, to the next level? What If money was no object or anything, what would it take for them to get to that next level in just pure speed? I mean, if fitness was yeah, there, would it be just working harder or technique or working with a riding coach? Like, maybe Jason Thomas would be a 
able to answer that too. But I've always kind of wondered that just for, to apply for myself as well. Well, it's super tough to do in the middle of the season for these guys. They're traveling and injuries and all that kind of stuff um, to try to find your speed. All your work is done in the off season, and it starts in the gym. You know, getting in the best shape you can, being in the absolute best shape you can, so you can because it's really tiring to go that fast and concentrate for that many laps. So you got to be in, you know, and if you're in Albertson or a Chisholm or these guys, you got to get in the best shape that you possibly can. And uh, working with a riding coach would help for sure. You know, there's definitely uh, a guy like Weston Pike. He's found a lot of speed, and he credits a lot to Buddy Antonez and helping him out and working with him. And uh, so there is that point of view too, because if you just go out and pound laps and make the same mistakes over and over, you're going to uh, just ex- get the same results over and over. So, yeah, a fresh look at your riding from somebody who knows what they're doing, and, and there's not always those guys out there either. But it certainly seems like a guy like Buddy Antonis has, uh, has been able to help uh, Wesson Pike out. So um, I would say get in the best shape you can, and uh, a riding coach will certainly help. And, uh, you know, you just try to try to learn – Try to learn how to go faster in specific sections as well. Try to do corners. Try to do a, you know, a certain set of jumps. Try to learn how to scrub better on a pro level, of course. And you can work on your speed like that. Too many guys just go out and put in their 20 laps and don't really think about how to improve. You know, uh, I always think back to the Yamaha track where the, the guys would ride. And, I mean, these are the very greatest riders in the world, so... Uh, whatever, but they would ride the same four-inch strip around the same track, and you can listen to them, and they knew exactly how to ride the track. Well, to me, if you want to get better, uh, try some different combinations out. Try try to do um, you know a different line through a jump section or whatever. Just work on your skills. So okay, well, thank you. And if you get a chance to ask uh, Mr. Thomas there, just if there was something he could do, I guess what would he think would have got him to the sure? Level? We'll get him on the line. Thanks, man. All right, thank you. Thank you very, very much. Uh, still looking to give away St. Louis uh, Supercross tickets, uh, courtesy NFAB. No one want to go to St. Louis? Uh, um, uh, N-Fab.com giving away two tickets to St. Louis uh, uh, for this weekend. If you want to go, give us a call, 702-586-7857. And uh, giving away a set of fly light hydrogen gear. Welcome to the show, Jason Thomas. Thanks, sir. Before we get going, uh, I'll ask you what Riley asked me. Uh, you guys are debuting some gear this weekend. Very exciting. We are. Yeah, absolutely. We're, uh, we're pumped. What is it? Tell, tell, tell us more about it. What is it going to be? It's, uh, it's our kinetic mesh stuff. So <clears throat> basically we, you know, we have the same line every year, but it's, uh, it's kind of a 2016 preview, uh, in a way. Oh, you can't. Uh, but it's full vented, full mesh. Uh, yeah. So it's this year's version of it. It used to be Red Bud, then it became Bud's Creek, and now it's St. Louis Supercross for 2016 debuts. Is that no, how it works? <laughs> no, no, no. The full line will still be that same summer release. Uh, but this is the same thing. You know, do you remember last year at Daytona when everybody and their brother had that orange and teal stuff on at Daytona and fly stuff? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. at, one, at one point, we had four guys, and the, the first four, I think, in the semi or LCQ had the same color gear on. Yep. Uh, it's that same, the same, uh, same line as that, just this year's version. Oh, okay. All right, fantastic. Yeah. We're still giving away a set of light hydrogen gear on the uh, Fly Racing Moto 60 show presented by NFAB. Uh, Riley's question was, how does a guy like Albertson or Chisholm, how do they get faster? You know, you always talk about speed. So he wants to know how you get faster if you're one of those guys and you're, you're trying to step it up to the next level. I mean, certainly they're super talented racers. They're making main events. But how would they break into the next range of speed? If if they had if well, money was no object and they could just do anything that uh, you know that they could, what what would you suggest? Well, I think uh, and and I was listening before um, I got on, and I think you know getting with a good riding coach is a great option. You know, I don't think that's feasible for everyone, uh, but it really comes down to technique. And you know, the caller uh, just a minute ago was asking what I could have done to get better. Uh, and I think if I had been younger uh, or more closer to the prime of my career when I got around uh, a rider like Michael Byrne, who really took the time to try to teach me how to go faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know on the Pulp Show we were kind of joking around about how Chad, you know, he didn't have the patience or the time to really teach me. Right. Um, he claims. He, he knows all that stuff as well, but he, and, and whatever, regardless of what he, his approach or he thinks that I didn't listen. But Yeah, he thinks you didn't listen to him. I, I would have listened. Okay. Yeah, I would have listened, but he he had his own championships. You know, it's not like he had any obligation to try to teach me anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bernard was really good about it, and I, you know, I helped Bernard get uh, on the team, on our team, and I think he kind of took me under his wing because of that. 
um, to try to make me a better rider. And mm-hmm. I think if I, you know, the problem was I was so old by the time that had gone on. <laughs> yeah. you know, that was I was probably 32, 31 or 32 by the time that all kind of transpired. Mm-hmm. So I was so deep in my ways, and I was kind of way, I was way past my crime. So it was tough to relearn how to do that. But just finding someone who knows the the physics and the technique of how to go faster that can really open the door for your 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 basic learning curve and mm-hmm. your growth um, because it, it all comes back to that you know I ran into a wall to where my technique wouldn't allow me to go any faster and if you can remove those those flaws in your technique and and really get into um, opening your turns up and and getting off the brakes into the turns uh, which Ryan Dungey excels at those things can really allow you to go faster without much effort. It's just you're kind of getting out of your own way a little bit. Right. Hey, congratulations to Kevin for winning the St. Louis uh, Supercross tickets, courtesy NFAB. Uh, Derek, Derek, what's up? You want to comment on winner's take all? Oh, just that uh, question and answer that you did with uh, mm-hmm. JT and Seven Deuce Deuce. That was probably the funniest thing I've ever read in my life. <laughs> Great. And uh, inspired <laughs> me to watch the movie again this morning. So, uh, yeah. Just really, really happy you did it, and uh, I think your uh, tips for Buddy there learning speed was spot on. Good stuff. Yeah, uh, pulpamex.com, check it out. And uh, uh, seven tw- the Seven Deuce Deuce had uh, some questions about winners take all. You'd never seen it, and uh, the only man I could think of that could answer these questions is Jason Thomas, who's seen the movie 8 million <laughs> times. I think I need to go back and watch it maybe again. Maybe I'll be with you, Derek, and I'll go watch it again. So thanks, man. Thanks Fair for enough. reading it. Thank you. Thank thanks. you. Uh, Jay, what's going on? Hey, how you doing, guys? Good. What's um, up? Just start off that that article is <clears throat> excuse me is solid gold. Um, well, I had a question about Jason Anderson. Uh, okay. Do you think that that second place um, or that was that A one kind of hurt him that he's been pushing to get back up there when maybe that's not his real level mm-hmm. right now? Because um, it seems like he started wadding it up a lot and just crash after crash and kind of lost his form a little bit. Yeah, you know, interesting point. I don't know if that's the reason why. There's no doubt it's a long season. And I felt like in Indianapolis, I felt like mentally Jason Anderson kind of came apart a little bit. You had the <laughs> uh, you know, you had the the, the takeout of, of Weimer. You had the Baggett thing in practice. He smashed Alex Ray in uh, to get into the main event, and, and look, some of that stuff was fine. There's no doubt, but I felt like at Indy, he really unraveled like mentally out there. I don't know what was going on, and it's certainly this past weekend, JT, you said uh, again, it didn't show it on TV, but he was passing for fourth or fifth, right, or fifth or sixth when yep. he uh, yeah, he was trying to pass Reed for mm-hmm. fifth at yeah. the time. So he uh, uh, crashed, crashed, crashed pretty hard. So yeah, uh, I don't think uh, the speed was that certainly wasn't a problem in Detroit, but I. Do you think that you know the long season is probably wearing on him a bit? Yeah, no, I think I think that that's that's probably a good point. You know, this is a guy that's ridden two fifties for a number of years, and now it's a seventeen race Supercross series, twelve race outdoors. So yeah, uh, I think he'll come around though, Jay. I don't, I'm not worried about him. So yeah, hopefully it's exciting seeing these you know new guys come up and ride yeah. that aggressively and show that speed. So. Yeah, look, Jason Anderson, know, Cole, like to see it. Jason Anderson and Cole Seeley are now going to be in that class and race win potential guys for years and years now. So it's good to see. So, Well, you know, very rarely do you ever see rookies move up in their first year of 450 Supercross and excel. You know, it doesn't happen often. You know, McGrath, uh, Dungy, you know, there have been, except Chad Reed, there have been exceptions, but typically it goes more like what we've seen from Tomac or Jason Anderson or McGrath had no problem. Uh, all of these guys. They they just have issues and crash, and, you know, like Ken Roxon last year kind of fell apart uh, halfway on, you know, just his results went downhill. So it's tough. It's a huge learning curve for these guys to race that many weekends in a row without uh, crashes and sicknesses and travel and all the, all the things that, racing for five months straight brings on yeah thanks jay thanks a lot appreciate it all right let's go to our next caller here it is uh it is i don't have a name brad what's up brad how are you hey guys what's going on what's happening hey so i just wanted to make a comment um everyone's talking about uh the safety concerns in motocross right now Mm -hmm. and um i think a lot of the problem stems from maybe not at the top level but at local uh, levels a lot of times you just have St. John's ambulance people 
and different people that maybe don't have the proper type of medical training to, uh, you know, motocross is an inherently dangerous sport. And I just wanted to know what you guys felt about that. Maybe at local races, there should be some kind of, uh, of just like a, like a, a, a level of medical staff that should be on site. Um, I mean, sure, that would be great. But you could you could have every track with an asterisk crew or whatever else. But you know, it's, it's the best that they can do. And these people are trained for car accidents, trauma, and things like that. I mean, I guess I guess it would be better. Um, but I I don't know how you can do that or how you can make that happen. Um, what do you think, JT? I think in a perfect world that would be awesome. But I you know, for for most local tracks that I talk to, they can barely afford to have the ambulance there as it is. Yeah. So it's just tough, you know that. I fully agree that that would be better to have uh, medical staff that are have any kind of expertise mm-hmm. or just a second level knowledge of how motocross works and, and typical motocross injuries. But man, it just I don't in the state of the sport now, the track's just trying to stay afloat. I just don't know how we're ever going to get there. Thanks for the call. I had to hang up on him. Uh, the phone feedback was bad. Uh, still giving away a set of fly hydrogen gear. Uh, for this race, uh, for this show, Fly Race and Moto 60 show presented by NFAB. Okay, so JT, um, in Vegas, the end of the year, Chad Reed will probably be uh, fourth in the points, maybe yep. third, maybe third if he yep. gets Sealy. Yep. He'll have one win because we don't think, I, we're not sure he's going to win the rest of the one, if he's going to win the rest of the year out. If he, if he does not get another win, and can I go on record as can I go on record as not being on board with only one win? Well, we know you you think he's going to win out. Okay. So, okay. Um, I just want to make sure we're on. We're on yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. I don't okay. like his odds right now to get another win. To be honest, so okay. Well, okay. I'm gonna, I'll let him know when he gets here. Okay, please do that. Uh, so okay. Um, now you rattled me. Okay, so let's say he doesn't win. Okay, and uh, please just go with me here. Um, I can't, but continue. <laughs> gets third or fourth in the points. Successful year for Chad Reed, crappy year for Chad Reed. Where would you stand on his Supercross season if that's what we see from here on out? If you ask him, yeah, he would say it's been it's been bad. Right. Um, I don't think he's at all happy. I know even after he won uh, Atlanta, won we were all kind of sitting around just talking, and mm-hmm. he was like, "This is so far <laughs> late as to when I should be riding at this level." Yeah. And I, I know he's pretty frustrated with it because I know, you know, and, and before the season I was really high on him and I was oh, very vocal you about were. Him. Yeah. But I knew I knew the level of work he had put in and I knew how ready he was, physically fit and all those things. So I knew it was there. Right. And I, obviously at Atlanta he showed it. It's not like it didn't exist. It's just I think as he's gotten older and it was the same for me on, you know, my own level, you get pickier and it just takes more things to go right for you to be at your best and to be able to do that every single weekend just seems like I don't really know the the reason why but it just seems like it's tougher and tougher to find that peak level every single weekend as you get older mm-hmm. so yeah I just so, think it's got to be everything's got to be just right for him whereas okay. a guy like Dungey or Tomac to find that speed is just seems like it's week in and week out okay but you didn't answer the question so what do you think well it's- I think I think I did but I was kind of in in Okay. his opinion yeah me, no, we don't care about his opinion. my own per yeah my own personal opinion i would say it's been a letdown okay from what i expected from him uh but not terrible Ter- yeah. not terrible but not mm-hmm. not good either. somewhere in the middle there like a gray area just you know an average year <laughs> right right yeah i think i'm with you what is he 30 31 now uh 33 33 yeah yeah so um i think it's fun he gets third in the points even better you know gets grabs a win and gets third in the points so um, yeah, if that if that ends up that way, if he ends up third in the points, then I think that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, being fifth in the points, which I believe is where he's at now. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't think that's all that great. And you know, the one win was key because I know for his major sponsors going in and saying, "Hey, we still want to race. You know, we're still relevant." Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the difference between third in points and fifth in points, I think, is is pretty big. Even if it's just a numbers game, as far as Kennard getting hurt. Yeah, yeah, um, that, yeah. You know, maybe Roxon getting hurt, and maybe you know experts will look and say, "Well, these guys were out," but for him, when he goes, yeah, to pitch people—that's a big number. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's take a couple more calls here. I, we can discuss St. Louis if you want, but 
or we can just take some calls. I can tell that you're super excited about the weekend. <laughs> I am very excited. Jamie, what's going on, man? What's happening? All right, so I listened to the show on Monday, okay. and I have a couple couple points I'd like to make. Um, one point that you said that NHRA had gone to a shorter track um, in order to you know increase safety of the sport. They're actually going faster now and a shorter track than they were before. So no matter what you do, you're still going to have that risk there. Um, my personal opinion. So NHRA hasn't done anything to slow the speeds down. No, they've actually the top field hmm. actors now in a thousand feet are going three hundred and thirty plus miles an hour faster than they were before. Okay. Um, my personal opinion on the matter, you know, I'm all for safety. Um, I live in the high desert. I went to a local track. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, last Saturday, and. The amount of pressure that's being put on these little kids, I mean, there's guys out there that, you know, they've got $200,000 into their toy haulers and this and that. You know, there's guys out there with these little kids that are four and five years old with headsets on holding out, you know, signboards for lap times, and it just, mm-hmm. it, it, it blows my mind. You know, it's, I think the whole safety aspect needs to start from not only the top down, but from the bottom up as well. Yeah, no, maybe so. Uh, you know, we touched on that on Monday. There's more and more amateur races now. Uh, a lot of these kids have to be homeschooled. There's more support for amateurs than there ever was before, which means the parents see this and they chase that, and there's more amateur races than ever before, so the level of seriousness gets ratcheted way up, and the more practicing, the more ser- the more serious you get, the more practicing you make, the more accidents you could happen, et cetera, et cetera, down the line. No, you have a good point. Um you know, it, it, it. I mean, you know, the the track that I went to was Comp Edge. They were having a race there on Sunday, and what? it just, you know, I've been to countless number of nationals, um, Supercrosses, and it, it's it just blew me away yeah. at the amount of not only money but seriousness and pressure that you're putting on these little kids. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Uh, uh, JT, any thoughts? Yeah. No. I I think you know the safety is is much, much more of a, uh, I don't want to say a problem, that's not the right word, but uh, an important issue on the amateur side and kids. Uh, the pro side, sure, things need to be safer, um, but I also think that when you are racing professional motocross, supercross, you've also realized that there's a lot of risk. Uh, we're taking chances, we're being paid well to do something, if we can make it safer, I'm all for it. That's you know, but I also think that there's a big difference between ten year old kids out there riding around for fun, um, and then a professional supercross racer, you know, jumping triples and rhythm sections as far as the, the safety precautions that mm-hmm. we should be looking at imposing. Um I, I just think there's a difference there. You know, we're not gonna let just like we're not gonna let uh, you know, Amateurs get in an in a NHRA car and do 330 miles an hour. You know, there's there's a difference there. There's a different level of expertise and all those things. So, anything that's gonna gonna raise the level of safety and and precaution and uh, keeping kids uh, safer, I you know I'm willing to go along with anything if that's if that's gonna happen. Thanks, Jamie. Appreciate it, man. We got to run. All right, thanks, guys. Thank you, Noah. What's going on? Thanks for calling the Fly Race and Moto 60 show. Hey, what's going on, boys? What's happening? Um, last night, Steve, I know you're not going to be, you may not be pumped on this, but, uh, I kind of tuned into, uh, DMXF. You asshole. You asshole. (laughs) I'm kidding. I caught the tail end of, uh, Chad Reed, uh, interview, and he was talking about, um, you know, maybe after this national season, one more Supercross season, uh, maybe doing how Poto did and, uh, going over to the GPs. And uh, I was wondering, you know, what do you guys think he'll do with his team? You know, do you think maybe if he has still has JG, maybe he'll keep, uh, you know, a team over here and then kind of maybe take, a, you know, a smaller team over there for him? Or no, what I, do you guys think? I can't see him doing the GPs. I guess if he said it, Chad, you know, Chad doesn't just wouldn't just say that. I guess. But what do you think, JT? Can you see him going over there? I would be willing to bet against it. And that says a lot, Noah, because JT is, you know, he's plugged in with the, with the 22 camp. So. Well, I know. That's why I figured I'd call and ask, you know, with pretty much 
Tutu's right hand man. Yeah. But, you know, because I was, and, you know, when he said it, I kind of thought the same thing. I was kind of like, oh, I don't know. But then, you know, it kind of seemed like he was kind of serious about it, but he was like, oh. and then yeah. he said, you know, I have something in the works. So then I was like, oh, this shit, like, yeah. he's serious. No, I was going to give you some fly gear, but you you listened to DMXS, so you lost out, bro. So, um, come on, bro. All right, do you just barely listen to the show, or you said you tuned into the end? No, I, no I'm serious. I really only caught the end because they had a uh, okay. AC and Chad Reed on there, and I'm a huge. I'm both a huge. I'm a huge fan of both, so I figured uh, all right. might as well listen. Yeah. Okay. All right. You you win the gear then, just because you tuned in only at the end, because there's a huge <laughs> rivalry there. So stay on the line, buddy, and uh, and Tits will get your information. All right. Will do. All right, thank you. Noah wins the uh, Fly Racing Hydrogen Gear. I'm just kidding about the, the DMXS stuff. Those guys are great. Yeah, I can't I can't see Chad doing that. Yeah. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense. He's got this great relationship with Discount Tire, mm-hmm. which would make no sense over there. His kids are in school here. Um, he did he the GPs. He, he did them once, you know? I mean, it's not like a... Yeah, and I, I just don't see it. I know that he's he's already basically said this is his last summer ever racing outdoors and i know i just there's just way too many things that make that tell me that would never happen yeah i agree all right let's uh last call on the show david what's going on you got a question for jason thomas uh yeah i got a question for jason thomas hey jason how you doing hey man how's it going uh, i'm going good hey uh i was gonna ask you during your pro career uh, i know you didn't win four manitoba titles damn straight he didn't nope <laughs> But uh, you ever hurt, have an injury and come back too soon because you, obviously it's your um, job and you have to make money and mm-hmm. wreck because of that injury and cause another injury? Like um, I was listening to Rick Johnson's um, podcast with Steve the other day, and he yep. said his hand stuck wide open a couple times. Well, if his hand stuck wide open on the throttle at the wrong at the wrong time, he could be you could be get really hurt. And I was wondering if you ever had that situation where you had a bad shoulder, a bad knee, a bad wrist that caused you to crash and maybe hurt something else. Um, so I'm coming back too soon. Yeah, so luckily so. I didn't I didn't have a crash or injury because of it, but I did have some close calls. Uh, I can remember coming back from, strangely enough, a dislocated wrist similar to what RJ did. Uh, it wasn't my navicular, but uh, anyone who has ever had a dislocated wrist knows that's a nasty injury to have. Uh, you'd much rather break it yeah. than dislocate it. So I've had both of them. Yeah. And when I, when I came back from that, um, you know, your wrist is just really, really weak and I was trying to ride and I had a couple times where my wrist just completely collapsed, you know, and, and you're not ready for it at all. You just hit a bump funny and your wrist just completely gives out and your, your kind of elbow blows forward and your hand goes off the bars and, I had some extremely yeah. close calls on that, so uh, <laughs> it certainly you never, happened. You never wrecked and really injured, like you never hurt a knee or something because of that, that injury. No, luckily, uh, luckily it didn't happen. I mean, it could have easily happened in those in those instances. I just kind of, I guess, was fortunate enough. I to mean, not this, this may be this may be funny, but when <laughs> with the Stewart's injury, injured wrist. Uh, he blew your knee out. The forty-seven. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking about that, like. How many riders come back? Like, Trey Kennard gets injured. and um, I know, I don't want to say Trey, but people do come back too soon and, and get hurt because of their injury and re-injure something else. It happens. It, it could be a it could oh, be yeah. yeah, no, it happens All for sure. Thanks, thanks for calling, man. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Have a good day. All right, you too, man. Thanks, man. All right, JT, thank you, bud. Appreciate it. Look forward to the no debut of the, uh, the new fly gear this weekend at St. Louis. And uh, yeah, get, I'm sure you'll uh, I'm sure you'll get to check it out, and I look forward to hanging out with you at the race and all that. Yeah, fantastic! No, it should be great. Uh, giving away a set of light hydrogen gear as well, and two tickets to St. Louis. We gave those away courtesy yeah, of you, Fab. You want to uh, you want to do dinner tomorrow night or? Yeah, yeah, I'll meet you. I'll meet you by the arch. <laughs> <laughs> um, you uh, you just look for me. I'll be. I'll be there. I'll, I'll be wearing cargos. <laughs> if you're not there, just wait longer. Yeah, I'll be wearing cargos and flip flops. First guy you see with that, okay. grab them. Uh, good. All right. All right. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. All right. See ya. All right, everybody. Uh, fantastic uh, fly racing Moto 60 show presented by Enfab. Appreciate Enfab. Appreciate fly racing. Appreciate you guys. Don't appreciate Tits because he's uh, still king of the mountain. I appreciate you for letting me beat you. Uh, we're off next week. No show. No race. I will miss you next week. No race, no show. We'll be back before Houston, though, everybody. So thanks for listening. We appreciate it. See you around.